Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I strongly believe that it is possible to have a long and happy and fulfilling career as a private school leader. And my passion is to help you figure out exactly how to do just that right here on the Private School Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. I want to start today's episode by telling you about two people that grew up as best friends in rural North Carolina. And they fell in love and they got married on May 13th, 1924. Herbert and Zelmira grew up as best friends. And when they got married, Zelmira, Herbert Fish, and Herbert Fisher on May 13th, 1924, they had no idea that one day they would hold a record in the Guinness Book of World Records because 86 years and 290 days later, when Herbert passed away in 2011, they became the world record holders for the longest marriage ever. 86 years, 290 days, Herbert and Zelmira Fisher of North Carolina. And their marriage held up through the Great Depression, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement, and 15 presidential administrations. And they were actually honored by President Barack Obama. They lived from um, growing up in rural North Carolina in the 20s to seeing the first African-American president. And so 86 years is a long time to be married. And of course, uh, when they were still alive, then people, as they passed different milestones, would ask them, well, what kind of advice do you have about making a marriage last? And they always gave the same answer. Respect, support, and communicate with each other. Be faithful, honest, and true, and love each other with all your heart. But sometimes they were asked the question in a different way. Instead of asking, do you have any advice, they were asked, well, what's the secret to a long and happy marriage? And they would always ask, answer that question the same way. They would say, there is no secret to our marriage. We just did what was needed for each other and for our family. And so... What an amazing relationship, what amazing advice, and what an amazing reminder that great relationships are about hard work and doing whatever it takes. Well, I strongly believe that the most important relationship in a private school is the relationship between the head of school and the board president. And you might be thinking about the status of the relationship that you have between you and your board chair. And you might think, well, we have a fantastic relationship. It's amazing. Or you might be thinking, well, it's okay. Or you might be thinking, well, it's terrible or or it's toxic. Well, however you describe your relationship with your board president, I have good news for you. The good news is that you can make it better. And on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, We are going to talk about the eight keys to improving your relationship with your board president. 
So before we get into today's topic, I want to give you a free gift to say thank you for listening to the podcast. And this is a free resource called The Top Six Ways to Protect Your School from a Lawsuit. This is a 10-page PDF that will help you keep your staff and students safe and keep your school out of court. Litigation is expensive and time-consuming and extremely stressful, and this common-sense guide will help you to be more intentional and proactive when it comes to protecting your school. And you can grab the top six ways to protect your school from a lawsuit at theprivateschoolleader.com lawsuit. That's theprivateschoolleader.com lawsuit. And thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. And I'd like to ask you for two quick favors. One is, wherever you listen to this podcast, if you would please rate it and write a review. Those reviews help the algorithm push this podcast out as suggested content to leaders all over the world. And we, I just, just this week, I um, got, um, heard about a school in Mongolia that is using a plug and play PD from the resources page on the, our, on the website um, as a PD at their school. And also, um, there's a listener in the outback of Australia um, working at an Aboriginal school um, applying some strategies that they're learning from the podcast. And so you can help spread that word all over the world by writing a review and helping the algorithm push out that content. And then the second favor would be if you've gotten any value from any episode, any strategies, any help at all, that I would really, really appreciate it if you would share a link to this podcast with another leader in your life, whether it's a leader at your school or someone that you know in an affinity group or someone that you met at a conference. To, so share the link to the podcast with another leader in your life and then also with an aspiring leader at your school. Um, it's no secret that we're um, on the brink of a shortage of qualified school leaders in our private schools. And so we need to be raising up the next generation of leaders and you have a good eye for seeing those aspiring leaders in your school, and um, hopefully they could benefit from this content. All right, so I said that the topic today is the eight keys to improving your relationship with your board president. So let's jump into that. Key number one, communicate openly. Key number two, build trust. Key number three, engage socially. Key number four, align your vision. Key number five, clarify your roles. Key number six, have better board meetings. Key number seven, engage in professional development. And key number eight, get feedback. Now, I know that eight points is more than what I usually do in one episode. And I also know that you're probably multitasking as you listen. And so I will take good care of you in the show notes. All of this will be there at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 69. So you can check that out later and you can keep on with working out or running errands or your drive to, to or from school um, or taking the dog for a walk. Um, so we'll make sure I'll make sure that all of that is there for you in the show notes. So let's break them down one at a time. All right. The keys to improving your relationship with your board president. Key number one is to communicate openly. Now, that one sounds like a no-brainer. Of course, open communication helps make relationships better. And you know that that's true with your friends, with your partner or spouse, with your kids. 
um, with, with people that you care about in your life. Okay, fine. But when it comes to our relationship with our board chair, sometimes we have a layer of uh, another layer that maybe holds us back from communicating openly. And we have to think about that and make sure that we're not holding back important information. Because let's face it, if we communicate openly about everything that happens in our schools, sometimes we're going to look bad. And we don't want to look bad to our boss. We don't want to look bad to the board president. But we have to establish those open and transparent lines of communication. And we just need to make sure that we're regularly updating the board chair on school matters and achievements and new challenges or existing challenges or upcoming initiatives. And so it's really striking that balance between over-communicating and um, there being surprises and your board president just doesn't know what's going on at the school. And so again, some of that comes from sort of that feeling out that relationship and seeing what is the sweet spot for communication. But one way is to make sure, you know, I'll give an example. Um, you probably have some sort of weekly parent um, email or parent memo that goes out. Um, I know we do at our school. And so just making sure that the board president is on that email list. And so there are different things about this certain event that's coming up or this fundraiser or these different things are in there. And then if, okay, here's where it comes. There, there are going to be some things on this episode that are going to be your responsibility because you're going to build your half of the bridge. Maybe you're going to build more than half of your bridge, the bridge to improve this relationship. But there are going to be some things that are on you. And so, for example, let's say that you do share that weekly parent uh, memo, and then it always seems like everything's a surprise to your board chair. Well, then you need to remind them, hey, you know, every Friday morning at 8 o'clock, we send this out. And if you would read that, then um, I really want you to know what's going on at the school. And this is a great way to keep you informed. Um, another thing that I think is important with communicating openly is, is that I said before that I believe that this relationship is the most important one in the entire school. And so if that's the case, then it can't be that the only place that you communicate with your board president is at a board meeting. That just can't be the case. And you might think, well, it stresses me out and I don't really want to, you know, talk to them more than just at the board meeting. Well, then you're resigning yourself to having a relationship that is the way that it is right now or is going to get worse because things are going to get more complex. Things are going to get more stressful. Finances are going to go up and down and you need to continue to communicate openly to form that partnership. So one way to do that is to schedule regular one-on-one -on -one meetings to discuss important issues and keep each other fully informed. And so whether that's on campus, whether that's at a coffee shop, whatever the case might be, but you need, in my opinion, I strongly suggest that you have um, at least a 30-minute conversation with your board chair um, once a month um, that is not, you know, the, the right before a board meeting. Um, just to try to schedule, and it could be a phone call, it could be Zoom, it doesn't have to be that 
both of you are carving time out and that you have to leave campus. I'm, I'm less interested in where and how it happens and more important that it, that it does happen. And so we need to communicate openly with the board president if we want to improve our relationship. All right, key number two is to build trust. So we know that trust is the basis of all good relationships in our life. And if we stop to think about um, a person in our life and think, ask yourself this question, well, if that person made a promise to me, what is my percentage on one to a hundred percent? How confident am I that that person will keep the promise? Well, it's going to be very, very high because you trust them. And so we need to build trust with our board president. And let me tell you something, holding back information, um, talking behind their back, um, being loose with, you know, confidential things that happened or were discussed at the board meeting. Those are ways to completely torpedo any kind of trust that you can build. But we know the ways to build trust, to be honest, to be reliable and dependable, to maintain the confidentiality that's so crucial. <clears throat> and I know that one of the things that we sometimes fall into that trap is when board meetings happen and then we need to come home and talk about it or vent about it and Sometimes we talk to our spouse or our partner, and then we're sharing confidential things. And, and we would be better served to keep those things to ourselves and to keep work separate from home. How else can we build trust? Well, demonstrate competence in your role as the school leader, as the head of school. Competence leads to trust. And whether that's your dentist or your mechanic, the uh, d competence demonstrated over time builds trust and it builds that relationship. Also, just ensure that the, the board president feels confident in your ability to lead the school. And so that's taking competence and taking it to the next level is just that you're really, really good at your job. And it's not that you're tooting your own horn and just, you know, bragging about well, we did this and we did that. But again, you can build trust by being really, really thorough and really, really good at your job and leading the school. And then my last piece on building trust would be no surprises. I really think that most people don't like surprises. And I can tell you for sure that board chairs don't like surprises when it comes to the school. And so let's say that something, you made a decision about um, a separation of employment with a staff member, or it's a big thing going on with a student discipline issue where someone might be suspended or maybe even expelled. I'm not saying that you need to um, call the board president and share all the details and collaborate on a decision, although that might work for you with if you have that kind of relationship with your board president. But my point is, if there's something happening at school that's kind of a bigger deal than your day-to-day, -day, just inform rather than um, have it be that your board president finds out through the grapevine or finds out at a board meeting. So again, that whole no surprises, um, you know, philosophy. So we're going to build trust and that's going to improve our relationship. Okay. Key number three is that we're going to engage socially. So I won't spend a lot of time on this one, but I do think it's really important. And this is to just foster 
a positive personal relationship by having occasional social interactions between you and your board chair. And so I'm not saying that you two need to become best friends and that you need to be doing coffee twice a week and playing a round of golf or going out, um, you know, going for walks or, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy doing with your friends. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that you need to see each other as human beings. You need to see each other as people who have hopes and dreams and problems. And you have a dog that you had to put down. You have an elderly parent that you're trying to care for. Um, you have, you know, problems with your car or trying to figure out how to pay for the um, orthodontist um, visits for your two kids or whatever the case may be. These are, you know, I think sometimes we see each other through the lens of the position. And if you only see that human being as the board president and the board president only sees you as the head of school, then you're seeing each other as titles. You're not seeing each other as people. And that's a problem and that's not going to build this relationship. And so one of the ways that you can do that is of course, make sure that they're included in attending events or lunches or other informal gatherings at the school where you can build a more personal connection or from time to time, whether it's showing up early for the board meeting or, um, you know, you can grab coffee sometimes. I just think that it's something that we avoid because we associate stress with this person because board meetings are often stressful and that's where we interact with the board chair the most often and for the most number of minutes or hours but it will build and improve your relationship with your board president if you get past seeing them as the board president and you see them as a human being and if they can get past seeing you just as the head of school and see you as a human being as well how does that happen informal social interactions a little more often than what's currently happening, okay? All right, key number four, align your vision. So, you know, you have to really think about, is my vision for my, for my school aligned with the board chair's vision for this school? And I think that there's a lot of miscommunication around this. And so you have to develop a shared vision for the school. You have to make sure that there's alignment in the goals and the objectives for both you as the head and the board chair so that you have this unified approach. You're pulling the on the rope in the, in the same direction. You're rowing the boat in the same direction. Whatever analogy you want to use, you have to make sure you're aligned as far as the vision. So let me give you an example. Let's say that your vision for your school is high academic rigor, an emotionally safe, warm, and inclusive community. Now that sounds like a beautiful school, all right? But if your board president's vision for the school is our school is going to have the highest enrollment of any private school in the city, now we're misaligned on the vision. And the way that you're going to approach accomplishing your vision for the school, academic rigor, warm, emotionally safe, inclusive um, community, is very, very different than the way that the board president is going to push for policies or decisions or strategic plan to achieve their vision as the highest enrollment in the city. And so my point is, is that I think that sometimes we just assume 
that we're both on the same page because, well, we have a vision statement in our handbook. We have a mission statement in our handbook. Maybe even that mission statement is hanging, um, it's, it's framed and it's hanging in the room where you have your board meeting. Okay, that's great, but that doesn't mean that both of you are aligned in your vision. And so how do you align that? Well, first of all, you have to be able to articulate your vision before you can talk about it with the board chair. And so that takes some thinking time. That takes a little bit of time away from the tyranny of the urgent at school where you're able to write down some bullets and to just, you know, kind of, you know, that elevator speech kind of mindset of like, how could you clearly and concisely articulate your vision for the school? For, the, for now, for the next few years, for the long term. And then to have a conversation. Have a conversation with your board chair and just make sure that you're aligned. Because um, there's a, a, a quote, I think it's George Bernard Shaw, and he says that the um, biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has occurred. And so I think that we often leave conversations thinking that we nailed it and everyone's on the same page and we find out later that that's not the case. So again, it's very important for your visions, the vision for your school to be aligned with the vision for your school of the board chair. And the last thing on this point is to make sure that you're collaborating on strategic planning to ensure that both you and the board president are on the same page regarding the long-term vision and mission and direction of the school. And so when there's strategic planning, that has to be you know, arm in arm, lockstep, you and the board chair on the same page in the same direction. So number four, key number four is align your vision. So we're talking about the eight keys to improving your relationship with your board president. Number one, communicate openly. Number two, build trust. Number three, engage socially. Number four, align your vision. And number five, clarify your roles. So you probably knew this one was coming, right? To clarify the roles and responsibilities of each party to avoid confusion and conflict. So you as the head of school, you have a role and the board president has a role as well. And so the problems begin when there's a lack of clarity and when the, um, when, when the Venn diagram that isn't supposed to overlap starts overlapping in significant ways. So let me give you an example. I believe strongly that the main role of the head of school are, are the, is the day-to-day -day operations of the school and to you know pr promote the mission and vision of the school and to keep everybody to keep everybody safe and to protect the school from litigation. Um, of course, yes, academics and and warm community and rigor and all of those things. But if I had to boil it down to a couple things, it would be the day-to-day -day operations, supporting and pushing forward the vision and mission of the school, and keeping everybody safe, protecting the school from litigation. So that's, in a nutshell, your most important responsibilities as the head of school. And then the most important responsibilities of the board chair is to supervise the head of school, to ensure fiscal responsibility, and then to engage in long-range planning. So I'll say that again, governance model board um, boards, they have a board chair that is super doing a great job um, uniting the board to supervise the head of school, ensure fiscal responsibility, 
engage in long-range planning, and then if I had to add another one, it would be leadership in fundraising. And I can hear what you're thinking, hear what you're saying. You're like, yeah, boy, I wish that that was the case at my school. I wish that the board president was not all up in my business micromanaging the day-to-day running of the school. Okay, well, there's ways to fix this. And so let me just give you one more example, and then I'll, I'll give you a couple suggestions. So let's just say that as head of school, that you're involved with an issue with a seventh grade student and whatever they did, um, as far as the behavior, the consequence turns out to be um, two after school detentions and being suspended from the basketball team for two games. So there's two games that they won't play in and they have two after school detentions. Well, now it's the board. Here's the, uh, the so that's you as head of school. Well, okay. So then the board chair knows this kid's father and then they give you a call and they're like hey can you uh can you fill me in on this situation with um so and so in seventh grade i just kind of wanted to hear all the details of um of what led to you know this decision and what your thinking was and blah blah blah. and you can just feel your blood pressure rising you know because that is not the role of a board chair now those and I'll get to this later, but, you know, if there's something that rises to the level of a suspension or a possible expulsion, you know, whether you're informing your board president, whether you have the kind of relationship where you can brainstorm and they can, um, you know, do that objectively, um, that's great. But the situation that I just described is a board chair that is overstepping their responsibilities. And so how do we get past that? Well, it really comes down to clearly defining the boundaries between governance and day-to-day operations of the school. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get that. But like, well, how do we do that? Well, does, do you have, um, a, do you have board policies? Do you like a board policy manual or, or the, the board charter or, you know, the what, lots of schools call it lots of different things, but basically the kind of the handbook as far as like board ro- board members' roles, roles and responsibilities. Does it exist anywhere in digital form or on paper? The the kind of the job description for the board president or the description of the roles and responsibilities of board members of trustees. And if it doesn't, then that's probably the thing that should be on the agenda at the next board meeting is to get that started. And so to establish protocols also for decision making and make sure that everyone understands their roles in that decision making process. And again, I'm not saying that it should be that you have no accountability and that you're a maverick and that you can do whatever you want and that you don't have to report to anybody and you can do your own thing. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that they hired you to do a job and that's the day-to-day operations of the school. And in the most successful schools that follow a governance model, they um, boards supervise the head of school, and the head of school is in charge of the day-to-day operations of the school. And so if that's not happening, you need to figure out why, and then maybe have some couple of uncomfortable conversations where you have to reach for the courage if you don't have the confidence, and also get some policies Um, down on paper. But here's what I think most of the time is actually the truth. Most of the time, these policies are on paper or in digital form, and they're just not being followed because people are overstepping because of personal relationships that they have, or just because they like to micromanage and that's their leadership style. So 
again, we just need to get clarity on the roles and responsibilities, and that's a way to improve the relationship between you and your board president. Okay, we're up to key number six, which is have better board meetings. We all want to have better board meetings. And so how can we do that? Well, first of all, this is going to sound like a no-brainer, but you need to attend and actively participate in board meetings. And you're like, well, of course I attend board meetings. And and coming from someone um, that I was head of school for 21 years, we had board meetings 10 times a year, um, every month except for July and December. Um, so that's, you know, over 200 board meetings. Um, I'll tell you, I didn't always show up with the best attitude. There were a couple that I missed. Um, you know, you get sick and things like that. But I, I'm just getting at, what I'm getting at here is, is that instead of dreading it, you need to try as best you can to turn it around into, okay, this is an opportunity to communicate. Um, and just what is your mindset? What is your attitude when you walk through the door for that board meeting? That's one step as far as having better board meetings. But here's the key, and I think this one is most important, regardless of how what your relationship is currently like with your board president, and that is have the meeting before the meeting. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Have the meeting before the meeting. So I really think that whether it's on the phone or on Zoom or in person, that you need to have a meeting with the board president before the meeting, and it could before the board meeting, and it could be just 20, 30 minutes or maybe even less, but you set the agenda and times for each agenda item, and you make sure that there are no stealth agenda items. And that's something that I refer to as, let's say, okay, the board members, one of the board trustees, their second grader had a, you, you know, you're, you're having your board meeting Tuesday night at 7 p.m., Tuesday during the school day, that trustee, their second grader had a rough day in PE class. Well, then all of a sudden, even though it's not on the agenda, then this board member wants to talk about, we need to fire the PE coach, the PE teacher, okay? All right, that's a stealth agenda item. And so the key here, of course, is working with your board president so that they put a stop to that and don't allow that and say, well, you know, we'll look into that and, and talk about that more, but it's... It's having the meeting before the meeting so that the agenda is set, there's times, and that then the um, hopefully the board president or vice president or both are doing a good job of sticking to the agenda. And then what else do you have as a responsibility that helps to lead helps lead to better board meetings? Well, you're providing detailed reports, making sure they're on time, you're updating the board president, keeping them informed about the progress and challenges at the school. Again, that whole no surprises mindset. And then also use board meetings as an opportunity to discuss strategic initiatives and to seek input from board members. Like board meetings shouldn't be all about like the minutia of the school, you know, about supplies and well, you know, well, how many pencils could they use? Or why are those teachers making so many copies on the copy machine and just things like that? And I think one of the reasons that sometimes we stray in, into those areas when it comes to board uh, meetings is, you know, and this, again, I'm generalizing here, but I think, you know, a lot of our board members, board trustees are, are business people um, and they're very successful in, in business. Um, many of them have a background in education. Certainly they're well-educated people, but sometimes they view it in, uh, through the lens of business first educational institution second 
Um, and then the head of school typically views it through the lens of educational institution first and business second. And there just has to be some um, give and take there when it comes to these things that seem to get us off track at board meetings. And so we can have better board meetings. It has to do with our attitude, walking through the door, having the meeting before the meeting, providing all those detailed reports, making sure they're on time, and then trying to have board meetings be about big issues and strategic initiatives and getting advice and guidance from the board as opposed to the micromanagement of the small details and minutiae of the day-to-day -day operations of the school. All right? Okay. Almost done. We're up to key number seven. And the key number seven is to engage in professional development. And so I just strongly encourage professional development opportunities for both yourself and the board president. Um, at my current school, um, when I started there in 2012, one of the things I had never seen before is, is that um, probably during the spring of, um, of that year, um, we were talking about professional development for, um, for myself, but then there was also, um, we were going to a conference and there were also two board members that were going to that conference as well. So you might be saying, yeah, right, my board president would never go to a conference, but here's the thing. If you have the mindset that your board chair will never engage in professional development, then you'll never ask. And so let's take it from the other end. You know, a conference that's time off work for your board chair and maybe travel and um, expense for your school. But what about something that would be far less expensive? So I've linked two books in the show notes. Um, these are both books from... NAIS, the National Association of Independent Schools. One is called The Board Chair Handbook, an Essential Guide for Board Leaders at Independent Schools. And the other is The Trustee Handbook. And it's for um, idea, it says it's ideal to orient new board members and provide continuing education for current board members. So I'll link those in the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 69. And just the idea is, is that you engage in professional development, you care about professional development, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Well, most board members don't know what they don't know. Most board presidents don't know what they don't know. And you can kind of guide them to um, the opportunities. And again, maybe a place to start would be one of those books. Um, they're outstanding and they're based on best practice for independent schools. And so um, you can check those out in the show notes. And so that brings us to key number eight to wrap it up. Key number eight is get feedback. So establish a feedback loop um, or a feedback mechanism so that you receive input from your board president on your performance and your leadership style. And so for example, do you have an annual evaluation process? Um, is there a meeting with you and a couple of board members or you and the board president at the end of the year to assess um, your performance over the course of the school year? And you might say, well, we're kind of a smaller school. We don't have one. All right. Well, then suggest one. Um, you know, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, just the whole idea of um, being 
assessed um, for teachers. You know, they get observed and then you sit down with them and <clears throat> meet with them and go over the observation notes and things of that nature. But you need that feedback for you to become a better leader. And the other thing that I wanted to mention about this is, is that I, I really believe that asking for constructive feedback can lead to continuous improvement and strengthening the working relationship that you have with your board president. So if you just kind of ignore each other or you just are afraid to hear that feedback, then you're not going to seek it. And then things will just kind of go on as they are. And you think you didn't hope that you're doing a good job and you're not sure. All right. And so <clears throat> another thing that I'll link in the show notes, I did an episode on creating an annual portfolio. And that's a great place to start with regards to um, ways for you to capture your positive comments, your accomplishments, meeting different goals, your SMART goals, all in one place. And then that can be shared with your board president at the end of the school year. And not only does it make you, hopefully, um, a better compensated leader because the board sees the value that you add to the organization, but it also can make you a happier leader because when you're having a bad day, you can go back and look and be like, oh, well, I really do know what I'm doing because you have it captured in the portfolio. So I'll link that in the show notes. So let's review the big takeaways from today's episode, the eight keys to improving your relationship with your board president. Number one, communicate openly. Number two, build trust. Number three, engage socially. Number four, align your vision. Number five, clarify your roles. Number six, have better board meetings. Number seven, engage in professional development. And number eight, get feedback. And if you do these things, you can improve the relationship with your board chair. Now, one last thing I'll say before we go to the call to action is that if you don't have a good relationship with your board president for whatever reason, you have to go into this with the mindset about growth and improvement as opposed to perfection or having it be this excellent, wonderful um, board head relationship. Um, because you might know other leaders at other schools and they're like, oh yeah, I love my board chair. And you're like, boy, I wish that was me. But here's the thing, wherever you are on this, um, you know, on a scale of one to 10, as far as your relationship with your board president, it can improve if you apply some of these keys, some of these strategies and try and improve that relationship. But it has to be kind of that mindset of improvement as opposed to perfection. And so, as you know, I like to end every episode with a call to action. And so your call to action is this week to take 10 minutes and think about these eight keys and decide which one needs the most improvement between you and the board president, and then take one action to improve your relationship in this area. So pick one of the keys and then take one action, tangible action with your board chair. So let's wrap it up. I want to give you another free gift to say thanks for listening to the podcast. And I've created a free guide for you called Five Strategies to Help You Work with Difficult Parents. We know that working with parents is part of the job. And most of our parents are great, but some of them can be very demanding and emotional and difficult. And this guide will give you the tools that you need to build better relationships and have better meetings with the difficult parents at your school. And you can go to the privateschoolleader.com slash parents to grab the free guide, five strategies to help you work with difficult parents. 
Again, theprivateschoolleader.com slash parents. And thank you again for listening every week. And I hope you're getting value from this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com and let me know about a strategy that you're using or maybe a big pain point that you're experiencing right now, and it could be the title of an upcoming episode. Please subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. As I've said a couple of times, you can find the show notes for today's episode at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 69. And a new episode of this podcast comes out every week on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen, I would greatly appreciate it. And I can I can be found on um, Instagram at the Private School Leader or on Twitter at the PS Leader. And if you got value from this episode, please share it with another leader in your life and share the link with an, an aspiring leader at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I appreciate you so much and all of the hard work and dedication that you are doing as you serve your school. Thanks for taking some of your precious time to join me here today. And I'll see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.